Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi, Anna. Hi. Anna, it's so great to hear your voice. I like yeah. love hearing people's voices, so this is just a treat today. Yay! Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Anna. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Anna Coyne, and I write for Blessed Is She, um, which I feel very blessed to be able to do. And I live in Minnesota, um, where it is like. No joke, 30 degrees, and we have snow on the ground still. That's insane. It's been ridiculous this spring. <clears throat> I'm so sorry, Anna. I'm just sorry Thank for you. you. I'm sorry for <laughs> us, too, because it's currently 91. What? Yeah, 91. I would love that. I love hot weather. What? I do. To me, we're just talking about two kinds of miserable. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. I love the sunshine and hot weather. So I yeah. don't think I could ever do Minnesota winters. No, it's this one's been rough. Our Aprils are not supposed to still be snowy, but we've had a lot of snow this April. Um, oh, gosh. But I, I live here and most of the time I like it. Um, and I live here with my husband and we have two kids um, who are five, almost five and two and a half. And then we have baby number three coming in July. Yay! Yeah. Are you going to find out what you're having? We already know. It's a boy. So exciting. Yeah, so we have boy, girl, and then another boy coming. So, Anna, we wanted to have you on. We wanted to chat with you a little bit about all the things. But specifically, (laughs) Anna, are you a convert? I am a convert. Fascinating. Yeah. We love converts. You guys are not converts, right? Correct. Born born and raised. So, Anna, what brought you into the church? Well, the short answer is NFP and my husband. Um, Of course, there's, you know, more to it than that. But essentially, I was a Protestant girl, um, evangelical background, and I started dating a Catholic works every time yeah well when I started dating him I was like oh once he starts coming to you know my church he'll see what he's missing out on that's amazing and he'll wanna you know leave the catholic church or whatever and after we had been dating a couple months I realized that that wasn't really gonna happen with him (laughs) and as we as we became more serious and started talking about maybe marriage was in the future for our relationship he gave me a book the good news about sex and marriage by christopher west i don't know if either of you ladies have read that one yeah so it's kind of like synopses of theology of the body and i read it oh well he gave it to me and he said i don't expect you to become catholic but if we get married i want to practice my catholic faith so you should probably know what that entails and so I read this book, and I had never heard of NFP before in my life. And when I finished reading the book, I was, like, super mad that I had grown up in the church and never heard about NFP because it seemed – it was so obvious to me that it was truth. Wow. And I 
I wanted to do that in my marriage. And so that kind of got me thinking, okay, if this is truth, what else has the Catholic Church been right about that I didn't know? Wow. Yeah. So then I started, you know, reading about Marian theology and the Pope and all the other sacraments. And uh, yeah, one by, it was like one by one, those kind of stumbling blocks or what had been a stumbling block, block for me just kind of fell over. And yeah. And then I ended up coming into the Catholic Church in 2009. Wow. Right before and I got married. And we're so glad you did. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Anna, that's amazing. I love to like hear about just your humility to go from that posture of like, of course, Alex is going to convert to the openness to truth. How beautiful. Yeah, it kind of surprised me. But then the funny thing is my mom saw me reading this book because I was still living at home. And she asked what it was about. And I told her and she was like, oh, your dad and I did NFP and it worked great for us. No way. And I was like, thanks for telling me, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was funny. So my parents were pretty on board with it. Well, that's amazing. And then how was the rest of your family? Was that hard for anyone else to kind of adjust to that? It was, well, they were very okay with it. I think because they knew Alex so well and they liked him so much. They didn't, like, they, they didn't feel, like, betrayed at all. And the way I felt about coming into the Catholic Church was that it really was, like, building on my Protestant background. Totally. And not negating it. Because I learned so much from my parents about how to know and love Jesus. Yeah, you've written, you've written so much about just your parents' relationship and how you were raised. And it's just so, it's always super inspiring to me as a mom to just be, oh my gosh, I want to be like Anna's parents. Yeah, they (laughs) did a really great job. Yeah, what's like the biggest examples to you of kind of their example to showing Jesus to you as a child? I know right off the bat, praying with us, they prayed with us every day. And I grew up homeschooled too. So it was either my mom would pray with us as part of our homeschool day. Or, you know, if my dad was around a little later in the morning, we'd pray together or else in the evening, we'd pray together. But it was like their own example of prayer and then doing it with us. Right. And now, you know, Jenna, I'm kind of feeling the same as you now that I have kids and like, oh, man, I want to. I want to make sure I do this with my own kids too. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to have little family prayer time with a four and a half year old and two and a half year old. And it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> with my girls, we pray together every night and we just talk about what we're thankful for and kind of our intentions as well. Yeah. Is that, is that like an example of what your parents did or was it? Yes. Praying over you for situations? Like, what did that actually look like? It was both. It kind of, you know, we always always had like our list of maybe friends who were sick or needed a special miracle of some kind. We would pray for friends who didn't know the Lord. And then we, you know, pray for each other, like, especially as we got older, you know, like discerning colleges or looking for a job or when me and my siblings started dating. But we would do the bedtime prayers, too. And then I found out that after I went away to college, my parents would still go into my room and pray for me at night. What? Bad. Um, Which is like, you know, all the tears. Um, Oh, my gosh. How sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet. So I think that that, you know, that prayer time with 
your kids really makes a difference. And I don't know, Jenna, how old is your oldest? Eight. She's eight. So does she get a little more interactive now? No, she's my middle one who is almost seven. She's like my most, like she understands it on a heart level or like tries to understand things on a heart level. Whereas my eight year old is super intellectual. So she struggles more with prayer like she wants just to wants to ask all the questions, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 It's so how to see that their little personalities already starting to develop in terms of how I think they're going to see the Lord. And, you know, like mm-hmm. I want my eight-year-old to grow up reading Aquinas now because I want her yeah. to have all the answers. Like if that's yeah. what she's seeking, I, I want to offer that to her. And, you know, just to like think about these different ways that we approach spirituality and wanting to foster that in each of them. Right. Okay. So funny story about doing bedtime prayers <clears throat> we were doing prayers a couple nights ago and we always start with you know dear Jesus thank you for and then the kids fill in there whatever they're thankful for and Trixie who's our two and a half year old um she was holding like a little Kleenex in her hand while we were praying and she goes thank you for me <laughs> and blankies and my covers and this Kleenex that I found in the bathroom. Oh, Lord. And, and then she was like, and I can clean my crib with it. And I don't know if she pulled it out of the garbage or where <laughs> it came from. But that's, that's like an example of what our family prayer time is like now. But I look forward to, you know, deepening that. that well, uh, yeah. Prayer. <laughs> even even some of the intentions that you shared that you would pray as a child, I'm still thinking about that, that you said you would pray for miracles and just uh-huh. to use that kind of language with kids to have the expectation of it. And I yeah. love that you prayed for for friends who didn't know Jesus. Yeah. That's beautiful. It, it's sweet. Those are bold prayers. And, and yes. kids are great at bold prayers. Yeah. We adults, we get a little bit... Um, we get a little bit hesitant. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I actually didn't grow up with that at all in my home. We didn't, oh. we only did just like kind of meal blessing prayers, if anything, and sure. then went to mass on Sunday. So I'm curious, Beth, just as a fellow cradle Catholic, if you had a similar experience to that, or if yours is more like Anna, like what, what was your experience kind of introduction to the church? Yeah, totally. Very similar to yours, Jenna. I, uh, was raised in the church, went to mass with our family on Sundays. I didn't go to Catholic school, so it was like prayers before meals. And we had some traditions, mm-hmm. you know, around like we would always pray the St. Andrew Christmas Novena. We always had an Advent wreath, things like that. But, you know, like I didn't know how to pray the rosary until I was in my 20s. Wow. Like I, I never knew the opening prayers I didn't understand meditating on the mysteries. And my, I mean, my, my mom would die if she heard this podcast. I hope she's not listening. <laughs> but I, re- I just didn't know. I think sometimes as cradle Catholics, we take the traditions for granted. Whereas yeah. then converts come in and they feel like they don't know anything. And the reality is lots of us don't know anything either. Sure. So was there like an event or like a person who kind of sparked that deeper interest for you guys for sure for me um my my mom (laughs) forced me to go to youth group to be prepared for confirmation and at that time it's not like this anymore but 
in our diocese, confirmation was a junior in high school. So a, kind of wow. a late confirmation. Yeah. And so a part of that requirement was at, at the parish I grew up in was to go to youth group and to go to confirmation classes for a full year. So it was two nights a week for hmm. a full year. And thank God for it. There were also retreats. One was mandatory. And then, I mean, others were, you know, optional. But I just had such a fantastic youth minister Mm -hmm. um, that I was really inspired by his life. And our confirmation teacher really spoke about the Holy Spirit as though he was a real person that you could have a relationship with. And so for me, you know, even growing up in the church, I think there comes a point where it has to become your own. Yeah. So I would call that not a conversion into the church, but my conversion of heart happened in confirmation. It happened when I fell in love with Jesus. That's awesome. What about you, Jenna? Yeah, mine's a similar experience to that. My parents always made me go to youth group (laughs) forever. So (laughs) since middle school, we had a youth group at our church and I also grew up in Catholic school, which I'm so grateful for, and now makes me super appreciative of Catholic school for my kids also. Just like, I remember in seventh grade, like learning about focusing on one word in prayer. Wow. It was so cool. Like I think about, I still use those things that Mrs. Sheridan taught me in the seventh grade. Mm. I just think about the word Jesus. I'm not allowed for words or anything. I just focus on that one word. Or like, you know, lighting a candle. Like I learned that in seventh grade and I'm so appreciative for those teachers that really, really helped shape me and form me in knowing more about the church and and our faith and the saints. And Mm -hmm. anyway, so I I was sent to youth group and then in youth group in high school, I went to a conference that was like a leadership conference. And so I went to it and had kind of like what Beth was talking about, a real conversion of heart um, and understanding that I was loved beyond all my sin and beyond all my mess and that I was seen in all of those ways. I remember specifically one night where I was a, I was a pretty like typical high school kid, (laughs) not like a great (laughs) listener, quite disobedient. I don't know if that's typical, probably not typical for a lot of our listeners. Your children are all saints. (laughs) But I was not one. So anyway, I just remember one night realizing, thinking back on all those times that I had sinned and fallen knowingly, you know, not just not just as like an innocent kid, but knowingly like making the wrong decisions and being disobedient. I remember picturing the Lord in every single one of those scenarios. Like I remember in my imagination thinking of him being in the room every time that I made the wrong decision or chose to do something that I knew was wrong. And that was really life-changing for me to realize that he was there for each one Mm -hmm. and that he saw me in each of those moments and loved me like that. Mm -hmm. I did. I wasn't abandoned in those moments. I wasn't just like this, like lost person that was out on my own making these bad decisions, you know, but he was actually physically there and that was life-changing for me. And so that was really kind of my entry into falling in love with the church and, and the Lord. And since then, right from that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to learn more about the church. I want to learn more about our teachings. I, you know, I was like on fire. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
I think it's so amazing. Just like, I don't know. I feel like we don't fully know how our actions are impacting the people around us. Like my parents, you know, I don't know if they knew how praying with us every day would make me and my siblings, you know, grow up to, to stick with our faith as adults or Alex had no idea that giving me like that book yeah. is going to make me join the Catholic church. And then you guys each had, you know, your amazing youth leaders who were doing what they were called to do. And I just think it's so beautiful that when people are living their faith authentically, like it really does impact the people around us probably a lot more than we realize. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. I think what I like see in common with all of these different experiences is that at some point there was an encounter with mm-hmm. Christ. And it usually does involve another person who is living their faith, witnessing their faith in a beautiful way. Yeah. So I have a friend named Deacon Frankie. And friend is probably a generous word. We've had like a a handful of interactions, but he's one of those big personalities that, you know, he's hard to forget. And he has so much heart. He just makes an impact. And I go back quite often to this comment that he made to me, maybe in the first like real conversation that we had, he said that there are times that we're going to become dry in our faith. We won't necessarily feel it. We won't have a lot of desire to pray or pursue holiness. And he said, we have to keep coming back to the well. Hmm. And what he meant by that was coming back to the well of those previous experiences of encounter, previous experiences where Christ was present or there was a lot of grace and like draw from the well again, because God isn't outdone in generosity. I think lots of times for me in prayer, there is more if I go back to like a beautiful retreat experience. And I just like enter back into that memory and invite Jesus in and say, Lord, is there more here? Is there more grace in this memory from this moment? Maybe he'll show me something new. I do this quite often with St. Ignatius's practice of imaginative prayer, what he calls composition of place, that I can kind of flesh out a scene, typically from the gospel and interact with Jesus there. And then that becomes a place of encounter. So I can revisit that place in my imagination and have a whole new conversion of heart in a memory or, or in a gospel that I know like the back of my hand. Do you guys have experiences like that, that you revisit in prayer, whether it's an image, like a favorite gospel or a retreat? What about you, Anna? Oh man, this is kind of more recent, but when our Blessed Is She writers team got together last fall for our retreat, that was such a refreshing experience for me. Probably like the most refreshing experience spiritually that I've had probably since entering the Catholic Church almost nine years ago. And it, it just like man, made me feel so alive to Jesus and like way more sensitive to him, to the Holy Spirit working in my life. And so I will think about that weekend um, when I'm feeling kind of dry. And I guess the big image was just sitting in his lap and Mm -hmm. being just being like loved and close to him. And, you know, when life is crazy and Mm -hmm. you are 
preoccupied with lots of whatever, scheduling things, work, family, it's easy to feel really dry and, and run down and, and not close to him. And so that's um, a weekend that I like to look back on and remember that I can just sit with him like the way my kids sit on my lap and feel close to him. Such a gift. That's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah. How about you guys? That was a great weekend. Yes, it was. What a beautiful image, Anna. And it's, it's so simple, right? Just Mm -hmm. like sitting and being with the Lord. Yeah. I think that's true too. Jenna, you were talking about like the simplicity of lighting a candle or saying the name of Jesus. There's real power in the name of Jesus. And it's one word. It's one name. I think sometimes we make, you know, reigniting that passion for our faith, we make it more complicated. Like I have to Mm -hmm. adopt this like very intense spiritual discipline when really, if we just keep bringing it back, we return to the well. Mm -hmm. There's always more with the Lord. Totally. I couldn't agree more. Do you have anything like that? An image or a, a memory, a retreat that you go back to Jenna? I have a lot. (laughs) <laughs> which I guess is a great <laughs> thing to have. I have a lot in my in my uh, pocket. So I don't know which one I should name. I feel like I've named a couple on the podcast already. Well, I can think of one that you haven't named. Which one? Tell me. The beach. But I don't remember when I had that. When did I have that? But I don't even think it was like a profound spiritual thing. It right. was just like in your daily prayer. And that that's it. You don't have to like go on this massive. Right like conference, eight day silent retreat. Like you can have these conversion experiences in your daily prayer time. Totally. Yeah. So in prayer one day, I, um, I started adopting imaginative prayer. Um, when Beth would talk about it a lot, which is such a gift to me to really like try to foster my holy imagination. So one time the Lord and I were just on the beach and I was a little girl and we were dancing and I have a lot of memories of that beach. I go back there. often. Mm. So one time I've also had an image in prayer about me and the whole blessed issue team sitting at a big long table with the Lord and just that we are at the table together and in this together and that he is totally like at the head of it and guiding us but that we all have a seat at that table and get to be in relationship with each other, which is such a gift to me. And then even extended to this podcast in terms of that table image and us wanting to be Mm -hmm. a space for women to come have a seat at the table and to be with us. So that for me definitely is one. That's great. So cool. It's it's so cool that it's always unfolding. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Anna, for joining us today. Uh -uh, Thank you for having me. It's so great just to hear a little bit more about your story and your heart for the Lord. So thank you for being so generous with us. Of course. Uh, Anna, can we close in prayer? Yes, please. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we rest in you, God. We don't have to create intimacy with you, God. We don't have to strive for it. We just get to rest in your love and your presence, which is always available to us. So we thank you, God, that you're real, that you're a person, that you want to be in relationship with us, and that you're constantly, God, taking the initiative. 
pursuing us and loving us. So I ask you right now, God, to start a conversation with each one of us, to bring to mind a memory or a gospel or a place of encounter in our past and unfold it, God, to give us more grace, more mercy, and more of you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amazing. Thank you, Anna. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks, friend. We'll talk Okay. Talk to you later. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.